Well, we last week started a series on the table about how everyday meals can be opportunities for sacred moments if we give some intentionality to our, our table experiences. And I was thinking about, um, there's, there's always this interesting thing about like who sits where. And like if you're a guest in someone's house and you're like, I'm not sure where to sit down. You're waiting for everyone else to sit down to figure out what chairs are open and available. You don't want to happen to sit in somebody's seat. Um, and, and maybe the place where we spend the most time thinking around where's everybody sitting, uh, is weddings, where people are like, okay, well, do we have assigned seating or do we not, and how do we make people feel comfortable? And one of the weird things about being a, a minister is sometimes you get invited to do weddings or funerals for people that you don't actually know, and so you're like, I'd love to help you, um, but it means you're a little bit of fish out of the water, you're, you're meeting a whole family group on this big occasion, and uh, it's true also for funerals of like, it's a big occasion, all these people coming together in one spot, and you don't, you don't really know anybody. And it makes a weird spot where um, everyone's always so generous of, hey, stay, have a meal with us. But then you're like, well, where on earth should I sit? Because the people you've built the most relationship to are the people that are like the guest of honor. Everybody <laughs> wants to sit with them. Everybody wants to talk with them. So you're like, well, I, I really don't need to take the bride and groom's time up. They've got plenty of other people to talk to. Um, and so, but you're like, I have no idea where I, where I should be. And everybody else is kind of doing their own watchful game of like, oh, so-and-so showed up. Oh, who, who did they bring with them? Um, there's all sorts of watching going on. And so usually what I do is I, I'm kind of in the back of this like, who also feels out of place? Like, where's the table of misfits of like, okay, uh, they're like, man, I really love my coworker. I don't know where my other coworkers are. I thought they'd come to support this person, <laughs> but I don't know the family. I don't know the friends. I'm just here to be supportive. And so you find that table of like, hey, let's, let's be in this together for, for the little while. And so you, you find, where do I sit? Where do I fit into this community? And that's what these moments are, is they're community boundary making. They're like, like with a wedding, it's two families saying, hey, we're going to be one community here. And there's awkwardness, and there's great things in the midst of that. Um, but meals become boundary lines. If I share a meal with you, I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe if you've gone to a family's dinner and you get relegated to the kids' table, you're like, I'm not, I'm not fully one of this group yet. All right, I, I, we, and we'll, we'll form our own group, all right? The kids' table is going to be the most fun table here. Um, but meals are community boundaries. And so we see so much in the Gospels of how Jesus is eating with all sorts of people. And there's a lot of drama around who he sits with, who he doesn't. And so I just want to start today by reading our, our text today. We're actually going to be in Luke chapter 14 uh, this week and next week. And so we're going to get the first part of this story today. It said that on one occasion, when Jesus was going to eat, at the house of a leader of the Pharisees, and they're going to eat this meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then in front of him, there was a man who had dropsy. And Jesus asked the lawyers and Pharisees, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. And so Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. And then he said to them, if one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately pull it out on the Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. And so when he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you 
has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Now, this story, um, like many gospel stories, the details are so fascinating. Like, just a little, little note of saying, they're all watching Jesus. Like, we know that feeling. If you've ever been somewhere, you're like, it feels like everybody's staring at me. And it might be because you're kind of new to the group. It might be you're conscientious about, you got a new haircut. You're, you're, you've brought a, a date, and people, it feels like everyone's staring. Like, we all know what it feels like to have those eyes. And usually they don't feel positive. Usually you're feeling judgment, you're feeling something. Uh, and so it says that everybody's staring at Jesus. And they really have a good reason to. I don't know who took the risk of inviting Jesus to a dinner party, because that's a risky move. Jesus is going to turn something upside down in your life in that situation. Uh, he's going to, to move things forward. And so it's dangerous to invite Jesus to dinner, because he's going to invite you into a better tomorrow, but sometimes that's unpleasant of, I have to let some things go. And so there's all sorts of stories about all sorts of you know, the, the ruckus that gets kicked up as Jesus shows up. And I think some of us, we feel like we know Jesus. If, he, if I spend much time reading my, my Bible, if I'm spending time in prayer, he might actually make me change something. And so we want to hide from the dinner party with Jesus. Uh, but are, are we willing to invite Jesus to our dinner? So Jesus is there. He's getting stared at. And while everyone's staring at him, Jesus sees somebody else. There's always somebody that goes overlooked, someone that goes unnoticed. And Jesus, instead of caring about it, what everybody's thinking about him, he, he sees a man who has dropsy. Now, that might seem like weird language, like what on earth is that? Um, in today's language, we'd probably say edema. It's some sort of swelling. Like you've got like fluids building up. And it's not its own disease. It's a symptom of other kinds of problems. So maybe you have congestive heart failure, maybe you've got kidney disease, but you've got something going on and your body is swelling up. And Jesus sees this man and it's like, I have an opportunity to, have, um, to, to move some people. And so he says, hey, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You know when you go to dinner, you're like, I hope nobody brings anything up that's going to cause a conversation like this. Like, this is the person that you're like, why did you bring up politics? Why did you bring up religion? Why did you, like, we were just trying to have a peaceful meal, Jesus. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Like, that's a debate they're having all the time of, like, what counts as rest? What counts as work that's good that you need to do, even though you're supposed to be resting? And so they'd have things about, like, well, it's okay if you have to do it, if it's like an emergency thing where you can't wait, but if it's something that you can wait on, you know, rest. Don't, don't do that on the Sabbath. So he asks, hey, is it lawful to heal somebody on the Sabbath? Nobody takes him up on this game today. Everybody's silent. They probably all have their opinions, though, right? But no one's saying them out loud. So they're all thinking in their heads, oh, no, what's he going to do? And so he doesn't, they, they don't say anything. And so Jesus then, he turns, 
and he uh, heals the man, and he sends him on his way. Now, I don't even know what that looks like. If I was a movie director trying to like, do this scene, like, what does being healed of edema like, look like? Can you tell that he's healed or not? I have no idea. But the man, uh, Jesus heals him, sends him on his way, and then Jesus decides to confront the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. So in that time, people with edema would have um, kind of social stigmas attached to them. If you had any sort of disease, any sort of problem, people thought, well, you must have done something wrong. The gods are upset with you. Like, you've got some sin in your life, some reason to be like, well, I should keep my distance from them. And we kind of like jokingly throw that at, at ancient people and act like we don't sometimes do that to people in our own lives. But they feel like this man is on the fringe and doesn't really, he's not really one of us. Now, there's an ancient proverb that emerged in this culture about people with edema, um, what they call dropsy. It said, nothing is as dry as a person with dropsy. And it was highlighting that while your body was retaining fluid, you were finding yourself super thirsty all the time. Like you couldn't help but take in more fluids, but the fluids were also harming you. And it's this vicious cycle. And it became a metaphor for greed, that someone with a lot of money is like, no, I, I need more. And the thing that's hurting your soul because it's, it's, it's warping your way of seeing the world around you, like, I just need more, I need more, I need more, and all it's doing is hurting you a little bit more, little by little. And so there's all this baggage around this idea of this, of this disease. And so Jesus heals the man, he sends him on his way, and then Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to ask another question. Anybody want to actually take up this conversation? And he says to them, if one of you has a child or an ox, now that's weird. Like, I've never said, hey, anybody have a, have a child at home or an ox? Like, it's a weird comparison. And there's some manuscripts that change the child into an animal because it feels weird. But he says, okay, uh, if you've got a child or ox and they fall into a well, will you not immediately pull them out, even if it's a Sabbath day? Now, this sounds strange. You're like, why on earth is Jesus talking about wells? But I think it's actually really poetic and like super clever. Um, if any of you fall into water and are drowning in a water pit, he's like, you don't notice this man has been drowning in his own body. The swelling, this, this, this fluid that's building up. Hey, if he had just fallen in a well, wouldn't you pick him up? Like, why are you thinking in your head of like, oh, I wouldn't heal this dude? Like, we should have waited on this. This isn't an emergency. But if, if any of you had your own, even your own animal at home, if they fell in the well, wouldn't you care for them? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you take care of them and, and save them? How is it you don't even see this man? He's drowning and he needs your help and nobody sees him. And I think would we go in life and we enter into spaces and we're looking for, how do I, how do I get the seat of honor? How do I get to be the guest that gets celebrated? There ends up being people that get overlooked, people that we ignore, people who are suffering in ways that I don't want to look at and I don't want to see what they're going through. And there are people who have fallen into a well, who have fallen into a pit, who need help, who need to be saved, and yet then we're just looking around at like, how can I puff myself up? How can I get a little bit better status? Maybe I can get the job promotion at this event if I talk nice enough. Maybe, you know, and we're thinking about ourselves and we miss the guy who's struggling. You're just like, hey, shouldn't we be healing this guy? And I know what gets challenging is there's something in us that wants to say, 
like I'm that person in the story, we always want to be the person that gets lifted up. We don't want to be the person that's needing to see differently. Like we all want to be the person in the well saying, God, save me today, tomorrow. God, save me today. God, save me today. We want to be that person as opposed to the person who sees someone and says, like, I can help you. I'm going to be there for you. I see you. Let me heal. Let me, let me be a part of liberation. Let me be a part of uh, new opportunity. And it gets, it gets so tough for us. Of We lose sight of the things that matter, of the things that, are, are, and that there's danger, that there's life. I, I've probably shared this on, on another occasion, but a story that sticks with me uh, is there was somebody that was really an um, important person in my life a um, decade or so back. And I knew he was going through a lot of challenges. He was like, he wasn't sure who he was. He was struggling with who his identity was, and, and he was struggling with why, God, did you make me this way? And he was in a, in a tough spot. He was trying to see, how can I see myself in relationship to the world? How do people see me? And he was really struggling. But he was also super gifted. He was a really gifted musician. And so a church invited him to play for them. And, and he was like, well, what do they want to hear? And he's like, I'll just want to give them a gift. So it was, you know, the great is thy faithfulness, or it is well, or, you know, one of the classic hits, right, of, of hymns. Plays the song for everybody. Everybody loves it. And uh, later that day, uh, the, the minister said, you know, I really wish he had worn different jeans today. And that... I can feel that moment of pain in that right there because I'm still like, we missed it. (laughs) Here's a person who's like, I don't know how I fit in this world, but let me use my gifts for God and maybe there's something good in this. And we made it about you had holes in your jeans. And we do this to people. You know, where we think all of our things are well-sinking problems. Like, oh, you know, I really wish my, my kid, my grandkid, I wish they were dating somebody else or whatever. And, uh, you know, did you see what they were wearing to the dinner? Or, you know, that's kind of, you think that job's enough. And everything in our life becomes like, I'm sinking in a well, God save me. And we lose sight of people are sinking in wells. We lose sight of people are, are, are facing depression, struggling with self-harm, struggling with all sorts of of painful things, and we lose sight of it when all of our problems, all of our stuff becomes the center of the story. We're the guest of honor. Everything's about us. And so Jesus is like frustrated. I can, I can just feel like, man, why is anybody even questioning? Like, this guy just got healed, and we're like struggling with the fact that, oh my goodness, we healed this guy on the Sabbath. And so Jesus is like, all right, let me try something. I'm going to tell you a parable. He's like, you couldn't understand this in front of you. Let me tell you a story. And so he says, hey, when there's this wedding, and he show up, Jesus gives them a warning. Don't go sit in the best seat. If you can imagine showing up at a wedding, and there's like the family table up front, like where the bride and the groom are in the front spot. If you just walk in and you just go take a seat up front, that would cause an interesting commotion. But hey, don't go sit in the place of honor. What might happen to you when you puff yourself up and you think, I'm the most special guest here, is someone might have to tap you on the shoulder. Say, sorry, this isn't your spot. Somebody else is supposed to sit here. And now, everybody else has already gotten seats. So it's not like, let me just scoot you down a little bit. 
you got to go all the way to the back because now the chairs are all being taken. And they're not going to go like, oh, hey, so-and-so, I'm trying to move him here. Hey, so-and-so, now I need, like, I just got to move you to the back of the line. And so he's saying, if you show up, be warned. When you put yourself too important, you puff yourself up so high, you might drop all the way to the bottom. And there's that warning. And so Jesus gives some advice. You want to avoid that situation. Whenever you show up, go sit in the lowest seat. Go find the place furthest from the, the center of attention. What's really beautiful about that is if you're in that furthest back seat, you see everybody. Instead of seeing yourself, you're, you're looking at everybody else's interactions. You're seeing the room. You're seeing what people are enjoying, what people are struggling. And sitting in the lowest seat gives you a vantage point to realize everybody else's story. And there's a beauty in that invitation that we get to see the room freshly. What I am really excited about is we are building to launching a a restaurant-style dinner experience where we get to be a part of setting a room up where everybody who walks in matters. No matter what your social statuses are in the world, when you show up, everybody gets treated with the same respect, the same dignity, the same excellent service. And let me tell you, that's easier for those who, who have not experienced the heights of being guests of honor. If, if you're used to people not looking at you on the sidewalk, people avoiding eye contact, if you're used to, to um, the pain of people mistreating you, it is wonderful to find a space where you're treated as an equal. It is really hard if you're a room full of religious leaders who are like, I've been trained, I've I've got education, I've got money, I've got respect, to be seen as at the same level as other people in society. And this is a part of what Jesus is doing every single, like kind of these scenes that we get of this, is, is Jesus lifting up those who are outcasts, and it's really making it hard on those people that have status, because they're like, I don't want to give that up. So I think what's interesting is like the, the challenge and the opportunity for us is how to create a space in which uh, no matter what your economic status, no matter what your life circumstances, everybody has a wonderful opportunity to be served, to get a meal, and that those who know they have a lot of opportunity don't say, that's something great, and I'll throw some money at it, but I'll never want to actually show up and sit at a table near somebody else. Like, it's an experience for, for all people to come together and experience society on the equality of a table. And it's hard to give up being the guest of honor in life when everyone is always saying, what would you like to be an equal to those around us? And so Jesus says, hey, hey try not to go sit up front. You don't know what might happen. Try sitting at the lowest seat. And he says, it might happen that when you sit at the lowest seat, somebody might elevate you. They're like, oh, no, no, please come sit up here. Now, the problem is, is when you sit in the lowest seat every time and you say, I expect you to move me up. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the point. It might be that a host sees you and elevates you. 
you find that when someone is living out treating others with love and respect, that we need to celebrate that behavior. We need to celebrate that way of life. And so it's like, hey, you see so-and-so, man, they're serving so awesome. They treat everybody wonderfully. We need to honor them. Let's celebrate with them. But if so-and-so thinks, I deserve all of the celebration, somebody celebrate me. We've shown up as thinking I'm the guest of honor again. And we miss it. And so in the midst of this reforming of the community, uh, I think there's a third angle to this parable that's not the easy one. Some of us are, are leaders in different kinds of spaces. You might be a leader in your household, in your work environment, in your school, in your job, wherever it is. Like, you have a place of influence. And you have moments where you have to be the host. And if somebody has puffed themselves up to the detriment of others, it's not easy but to say, hey, maybe we need to walk it back down a little bit. And that's not fun. Like, that, that's uncomfortable. You're like, well, that doesn't sound like good news at all. Like, I don't want to end on this note. Um, the good news of that is, it is worse to be stuck in a state of puffing yourself up at the expense of others. The good news is maybe some reorientation might help you see your, your neighbors, see your family, see your friends again freshly. And maybe you might truly be able to enter into community. And properly seeing your neighbors might transform the way you live in this world. And so it's not pleasant to have to sometimes play the host. But there is beautiful opportunity in the midst of that. And when I was thinking about this story and this kind of awkwardness of, you know, where do I sit? How are people going to respond to me? Um, you, you guys know I love movies, right? Um, I, was, I got into watching commentaries of people kind of talking about the making movies. And, and so uh, I, I watched a, a Japanese movie uh, from 1954 called Gojira. You know it as Godzilla the original Godzilla, and it was, uh, the cast was talking about the making of the movie. Um, if you want to see me light up and want to enjoy talking more about this, ask me about why to see this movie versus the American one that came to out two years later. Um, but there's this beautiful story that they're trying to do with Godzilla, um, and the, the actor that gets the first name on the cast list, and he's the first name on the screenplay, he had done like two movies before, and he sees his name at the top, and he's so excited about it. And he's also like, man, this is a lot of responsibility. Uh, his name is Akira Takarada. And so he's so excited. And he looks at the cast list. And one of the other people on the cast, he was starstruck by. This guy had been in a, another movie that did really well a few years earlier called Seven Samurai. It influenced people like George Lucas. And I've seen two Japanese movies, and they are those two movies. And I was excited <laughs> when I saw the movie. I was like, hey, I know that guy. And so this young actor is like, oh, I get to be in this movie with him. And he sees him on set, and he's like, oh, i got to introduce myself. And so he's like, I'll, I'll formally introduce myself. And he goes out, he, he, he elevates his voice, and he, he goes up to him and he says, my name is Akira Takarada. I will be playing the lead. Pleased to meet you. And the head lighting technician says, hey, idiot, you're not playing the lead. Godzilla's the lead. Which was wonderful. Like, yeah, you're, you're on the cast list. The movie's got that title. 
you're not the lead of this movie. But man, we sometimes think we're the lead of the movie. And it's hard not to have the wrong perspective of where we stand because we know our story. We don't know everybody else's as well. So we're always the lead of our story. We're always the guest of honor. And sometimes we miss there's a giant Godzilla next to us that we haven't even seen. And sometimes we miss that God's next to us. And he's been there all along. And we still made it about us. And so today I want to invite us to have some better like, eyes for looking around in our life. Look around. There are people drowning who need help, who need support, who need to be seen. We need to see those people. We need to be a part helping and reaching those people. Uh, there are some people who have been wonderfully making people see and experience the love of God. We need to celebrate that, not let that go overlooked. There's also some times where some people have, have been destructive towards what God's community could be. And sometimes we have to invite people into the opportunity to see there's a better way. It doesn't have to be all about me. Now, all of that is looking outward, which is its own task. But I also want to invite you to look inward. Whether right now or throughout the day or throughout the week, I want you to imagine yourself throwing a dinner party for yourself. Your different hobbies are invited. Maybe somebody loves golf. Maybe somebody loves cooking. Whatever it is, like that's at the party. Maybe you've got emotions, my anger, my, my patience, my kindness. They're at the party. And I want you to examine and, and determine if you had to put a seating arrangement in your life, what has been at the highest level of honor in your life? What's been at the forefront of the most important thing? What's at the door? And think about if you want to rearrange any of that. And I think Jesus, showing up to us at our dinner parties in our lives, invites us to rearrange that seating. And so this parable ends with this great maxim that says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so the invitation is just to us. Do we want to humble ourselves or be humbled? That's Christ's invitation today. Would you pray with me? Lord, would I ask your forgiveness for each of us, for those who we've overlooked, for those who are in pain that we've neglected, for those who struggle to see the beauty and the life of your world. Lord, I ask that you would give us a heart and a passion for those who are drowning. Lord, I ask that you might help us to have courage to speak some difficult things to ourselves when we've puffed ourselves up and also to those around us who make others feel small. And Lord, I ask that everyone who has been on this journey of trying to make all people feel the love of God, that we might feel encouraged, that we might feel a boost of energy, a boost of confidence to keep living, to keep running the race, that even when nobody notices that you notice. Lord, we thank you 
for making a place for us at the table. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.